Good morning. It's uh, wonderful to be able to stand before you today. We've got a great number here who have assembled to worship God. It's a beautiful Lord's Day. We are truly honored to have several who are visiting with us. We are so thankful that you're here and I hope that you're going to be treated in a way that you'll want to come back and worship with us anytime you have an opportunity. It is our sincere desire to make you feel welcome and for you to want to come back. And I hope you won't rush off too quickly after we're dismissed, but give us a chance to express our appreciation to you for being here this morning. I do want to emphasize next Sunday evening, we're going to be having a congregational singing on Wednesday night. Several of you turned in numbers of songs that uh, you want song, your requests. We probably could have a month of singings with all the numbers that were turned in. Uh, but there's going to be, uh, I think Brother Terry Edwards and Rob Baker perhaps are going to put together all those songs and get the leaders ready to lead those songs. And it's going to be a wonderful time of worship. Following that, though, we're going to be having a finger food fellowship. I know our college students are finishing up their time with us, and many of them will be leaving for the summer. And so this is going to give us a chance uh, to express to them our appreciation and to honor them uh, for the time that they've been with us. Also, we want to give honor to David and Galena Binkley. Uh, they're fixing to return back to the Ukraine here in just a few weeks, and uh, that will be a wonderful time to honor them as well. And we love and appreciate the Binkleys and uh, the sacrifice that they make uh, to take the gospel of Jesus Christ to Ukraine. Suppose, and I'm going to ask you to look to the person to your left and then look at the person to your right. Just take a quick glance. Uh, suppose I were to tell you that statistics show that one out of every three people is ugly. Now, I don't know how true that statistic would be. I know beauty always lies in the eye of the beholder. And we don't like to talk, perhaps, in terms like that. You know, one older preacher always used to make reference to the fact that almost certainly there would be somebody in the assembly where he was preaching that would be listening to their very last sermon. Now, what if that were true today? What if there was someone here in this assembly who today would be hearing their very last lesson. Of course, it can happen. This morning, I was over to see Brother Roy and Doris Kaiser, and Brother Roy could pass away at any moment. And I remember just a few weeks ago, the last time he was here, I remember the words that he spoke to me, and certainly we don't like to think in terms like that, but that is a distinct possibility. We know that life is very brief, it's very short, it's very uncertain. And so that possibility, I believe, makes the preaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ a very fearful responsibility. We need to understand that the souls of people are at stake. One preacher made the statement, I preach as a dying man to dying men. 
And so there are tremendous responsibilities involved in preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. I think Paul made that very clear when he wrote the young evangelist Timothy in 2 Timothy 4 and verse 1. He said, I charge you before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the living and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word. Be urgent in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. Have you thought about the kind of sermon you would like to hear if you were to hear just one more? What type of sermon would I like to hear if I were not a Christian and I were hearing my last sermon. Well, I would want that sermon to be very simple. I would want it to be very plain without any dramatic or theatrical effects. I would want that sermon to tell me what I needed to know, and I would want it to be very sincere. I wouldn't want that last sermon to be watered down or wishy-washy or politically correct I wouldn't be concerned about that last sermon really hurting my feelings either. I would want it to tell me plainly what I needed to hear. But above all, I believe that I would want it to be a sermon about Jesus Christ. Now, I'm not going to use my PowerPoint today. I've decided to just completely throw that out as I don't want to take away from our lesson but you know while thinking about a sermon I would like to hear if I were hearing one more sermon I realize the Bible contains an example of this very thing there is a man that we read about in scripture who was to hear just one sermon so far as the record goes and we even have a description of that sermon that God provided for him. This is a story, I believe, that is very familiar to most of us today, but I would like to read it in your hearing this morning. If you would turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 8, I want to read this familiar story beginning in verse 26. The Bible says in Acts 8 and verse 26, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, rise and go toward the south on the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And he arose and went. And there was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all of her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah, and the Spirit said to Philip, Go over and join this chariot. And so Philip ran to him, and he heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. And he asked him, Do you understand what you're reading? 
And the eunuch said, how can I except some man should guide me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. Like a lamb before its shear is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. And who can describe his generation? For his life is taken from the earth. And the eunuch said to Philip, About whom, I ask you, does the prophet say this? About himself or someone else? Then Philip opened his mouth and he began at the same scripture and he preached unto him Jesus. Now here was an Ethiopian nobleman who had been to Jerusalem to worship. That means either he was a devout Jew or else this individual was a proselyte, one that had been converted to the Jewish religion. And he had also come more than a thousand miles in order to worship the one true God in the Old Testament way at Jerusalem. And God was so concerned about this one individual. And I want you to understand today that God has that same kind of concern for you as well. God is as concerned about you and your eternal destiny and me and my eternal destiny as he was about this individual right here. And God was so concerned about him that he sent Philip the evangelist to intercept him on that Gaza road to preach to him the gospel, which is God's power unto salvation, Romans 1 and verse 16. I can't help but wonder why this open-minded individual was not told about Christ while he was in Jerusalem. Have you ever thought about that? This man had been to Jerusalem. That's where the church had begun. And we wonder if among the thousands of new Christians there in Jerusalem, if someone perhaps failed to teach him just as we often fail to speak out for Christ. But when Philip came to the eunuch, the Bible says he preached unto him Jesus. That's the part I really want to emphasize this morning. Beginning with the prophet Isaiah where the eunuch was reading, Peter, I should say, Philip told him of the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah. Now, after this, we're left to our imagination to know what was included in this sermon that was so simply delivered on a deserted country road long ago. But you know, after Philip talked about the prophecies concerning the coming of our Lord, he must have talked about how these prophecies came to pass. He possibly even referred to principles that we read about in verses like John 3 and verse 16. How that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Or in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 21. She shall bring forth a son and shall Call his name Jesus, for he shall 
save his people from their sins. No doubt, Philip mentioned the birth of Jesus Christ. He possibly even pointed to the Judean hills just a a few miles away where Jesus had been born in Bethlehem. And Philip may have talked about how that when Joseph and Mary fled into Egypt to protect this child from Herod, that, you know, they may have traveled on the very road that we're on right now. Philip also probably talked about their return to Nazareth where Jesus grew from infancy to manhood. And possibly he mentioned the visit to Jerusalem when Jesus Christ was 12 years old. And there in Jerusalem, the lawyers and the doctors were amazed at the ability of Jesus Christ to answer religious questions. We know it was during this time that Jesus grew in wisdom, in stature, in favor with God and with man, Luke 2 and verse 52. And Philip also may have mentioned the important occasion when Jesus went from Galilee to be baptized of John the Baptist in the Jordan River. In Matthew 3 and verse 14, John forbade him saying, Lord, I need to be baptized of you. And you come to me? And Jesus answered and said to him, Suffer it to be so now, for thus it becomes us to fulfill all righteousness. Then John suffered him. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water, and lo, the heavens were open unto him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him, And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I'm well pleased. And as the chariot wheels continue to turn with these two men talking of God and his way for men, it's likely that Philip told of the temptations of Jesus that he endured at the end of 40 days of fasting in the wilderness and how that the souls of mankind literally hung in the balance of that. These were moments when Jesus' great spiritual strength and loyalty to God enabled him to conquer Satan and to make possible the salvation of the souls of all mankind. And Philip must also have mentioned the disciples who eagerly followed the Lord, especially those 12 chosen apostles. You see, these names were not only familiar to Philip the evangelist, they were his closest friends as well. And it's possible that Philip talked of these apostles, and as he talked about them, he he mentioned the work that they were involved in. And I think it's also probable that Philip told the eunuch of the miracles that Jesus Christ performed. You see, Philip himself knew of people who had once been blind, but now they could see because of the miraculous power and love and compassion of Jesus Christ. Philip personally knew of those who once had been completely paralyzed, but now they could walk. 
He knew of those that had been mute, but now they could speak. He knew of those that had been maimed. And weren't we horrified to hear the tragedy of what happened in Boston when individuals actually lost arms and legs and we think how awful that is. Or what about an individual that perhaps was born without arms or legs? You see, Philip personally knew of people that had once been without arms or legs and now they were made whole again. Philip knew of individuals who had once been leprous, but now they were whole. Philip even knew of people who had once been dead, but now they were alive. Possibly Philip told the eunuch about Christ stilling the tempest and walking on the waters of Galilee, or maybe he told about how Christ fed 5,000 with only five loaves and two fish. Possibly for a lack of time, he said in the words of John 20 and verse 30, many other signs. Truly did Jesus in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through his name. Philip probably told about certain incidents in the life of Jesus. Maybe he told about the Lord's conversation there with the woman of Samaria in which our Lord gave that marvelous lesson on worshiping God in spirit and in truth. Maybe he mentioned the parables of Jesus, such as the Good Samaritan or the Prodigal Son. He may have told the eunuch about the transfiguration of our Lord, where Jesus was exalted above Moses and Elijah, and that voice that thundered from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. You hear him. Philip probably made very clear to the eunuch, Many of our Lord's teachings as he taught those great lessons on the Sermon on the Mount. I'm sure Philip referred to the parables of our Lord concerning the church and its great importance such as the pearl of great price or the church is, is like a treasure hidden in a field. Or the church is like a grain of mustard seed that, that grows into a great tree. But eventually, as the chariot wheels continued to turn, Philip would tell of the hatred and the animosity of the religious leaders of that day toward our Lord. He would tell the eunuch about their plot. He would tell about the betrayal of Jesus Christ. And he would tell about the tremendous suffering our Lord went through. How he was beaten and scourged. And how he bore his own cross to Calvary. And how they took those nails and placed them through his hands and his feet into that wooden cross. He would tell of the tremendous anguish and suffering and death of Jesus Christ. Perhaps we can imagine the long silence in which 
the eunuch thought that this glorious story had come to an end. But then Philip tells the eunuch about the resurrection of Jesus Christ, how he came forth from the grave on the third day, and he was seen by many witnesses. He told of the great hopeful future of the kingdom. But somewhere in the preaching of Jesus, Philip would have to tell the eunuch about the church and the plans that Christ had for the church to spread throughout the world to save the souls of men and women, how that the church was to be the pillar and ground of the truth. Now, many today think that You know, they can follow Christ without being in his church. But that simply cannot be done. You cannot preach Christ today without preaching about his church. You cannot be in Christ today without being a member of his church because Christ came to build his church, Matthew 16 and verse 18. And so Philip talked to the eunuch about the church and and about the importance of the church in the salvation of mankind. He talked about how Christ purchased the church with his own blood, Acts 20 and verse 28. How Christ gave himself for the church, Ephesians 5 and verse 25. And how the saved are added to the church, Acts 2 and 47. And, of course, that would inevitably lead Philip to explain to the eunuch how to become a Christian, how to become a member of the church. Philip must have told the eunuch about the importance of faith, how we cannot please God without faith, Hebrews 11 and verse 6. Philip must have explained to the eunuch about repentance and what repentance is and the change that is involved in repentance and how the Lord had said in Luke 13, 3 and 5, I tell you no, but unless you repent, you will perish. He must have explained to the eunuch about the importance of confessing Christ and how Jesus said, Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I also confess before my Father which is in heaven. And whosoever denies me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. And he must have talked to the eunuch about the importance of baptism. Perhaps he reiterated what Peter had told those on Pentecost to do when they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? And and how Peter told them that they needed to repent and to be baptized for the forgiveness of sins. And of course, there must have been many other words of instructions that were given as questions were asked. And as these two men talked about the whole story of Christ and his kingdom. Undoubtedly, there was some life 
Some mention about the life beyond this life. Peter, I should say Philip, no doubt must have mentioned to the eunuch about the hope of heaven that can get us through the trials and the difficulties that we face in this life from time to time. He possibly even mentioned the words of our Lord that we find in John 14 verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And possibly toward the end of this sermon, he might have mentioned these words of Jesus in Matthew 7 and verse 24. Therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man who built his house upon the rock and the rains descended and the floods came and the winds blew and it beat upon that house and it fell not for it was founded upon a rock. And whosoever hears these sayings of mine And does not do them, he shall be likened unto a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. And the rains descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and it beat upon that house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. And I would like to think that possibly Philip brought his sermon to an end with with that wonderful invitation to come and have eternal life. As we read in Revelation 3 and verse 20, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice and open the door, I will come in to him and I will sup with him and he with me. Now, of course, we don't know the specific content of this sermon that Philip delivered to the eunuch long ago. But we do know that it was a lesson in which the humble evangelist preached to the eunuch about Jesus. If you look at Acts chapter 8, we continue reading down in verse 36. As they went on their way... They came to a certain water, and the eunuch said, See, here's water. What hinders me from being baptized? And Philip said, If you believe with all your heart, you may. And the eunuch said, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. And he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord called away Philip that the eunuch saw him no more. And he went on his way Rejoicing. You see, this great story in Acts chapter 8 began with an individual 
who knew very little, if anything at all, about Jesus Christ. But at the end of this story, just a few hours later, he is a Christian. He is a follower of Jesus Christ. That's why we need to understand today that Christianity centers in Jesus Christ. It centers in the simple preaching of the gospel message of Jesus Christ. Today, in our modern 21st century, we need to realize that we still have the same God We still have the same Lord. We have the same church, the same way of salvation. We have the very same need to be saved as this eunuch had on that deserted road long ago. See, all the centuries that have passed have never changed these essential things. And we need to realize today that our salvation, just like his, depends upon our willingness to obey Jesus Christ and to submit to his terms of pardon. You see, we're going to close this lesson this morning by extending that ancient invitation that the eunuch received long ago. The invitation to come and to have eternal life based upon the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. This invitation is extended to you this morning. If you need to come, we ask that you come now while we stand and sing.